Hey, we're back and welcome to another episode of The Other Way Podcast, the best place to tune in for creators, entrepreneurs, and digital nomads. This is David. And I'm Nick. And so I want to start off today with sort of asking you, Nick, like what's been going on recently in your life? Mm, so lately I've been uh, on a job hunt again. So I know I previously mentioned that I wasn't into corporate jobs, right? But I found that actually having one gives me more runway towards like financial independence sooner rather than later. And I think one thing about doing this again is really having more cash. I get it to be invested in like stocks, S&P 500, real estate, crypto, and even like government or corporate bonds. I like to stick to this idea of like build it early, enjoy it later. So I mean, a friend actually told me recently as well, that the years that you can enjoy generating active income is actually between your 20 to 40s. You're the in a pink of health, right? And then... Uh, if you are able to use this active income to generate a long-term financial bidding for you, then you can get to enjoy passive income when you're 40s and beyond, right? So uh, that being said, I, I think my entrepreneurship journey hasn't ended. It just has uh, taken a backseat for now, but it's definitely going to go on while I build this cash flow with uh, active income stream. First and foremost, like to get the experience is paramount. So like I fully support this and you know, you, you might find something that you really, really enjoy much more so than say your previous sort of corporate gig. So, you know, mm -hmm. I have to say like, you know, the possibilities are quite endless, right? With this, I've been thinking about sort of the arc of modern life and, you know, in a way it's sometimes broken and it maybe needs changing. So, you know, I heard a recent quote uh, that, you know, you're going to give away the 60 best prime years of your life for the 20 poorest years of your health. And it really resonated with me, sort of like the working and toiling till old age. And, you know, I've just been thinking like, like why do we, why do we have a system like this? Mm, I think the world is constantly changing, right? What works for one generation may not work for the other. We generally listen to our parents as, as we grow up, right? So their fears, uh, whatever they went through in their generation is casted upon us. The largest demographic right now who is in the active workforce is uh, millennials, of course. And I actually saw an article from CNBC saying that millennials earn 20% less than baby boomers did despite higher educations. And we are kind of like the generation that came after the Great Recession, right? What that means is that we have fewer job opportunity while we also suffer from crippling student loans, you know, stagnating wages. So in a very different world, right? What really works for our parents last time and what they believe in as they truncate that belief down, it might not necessarily work for us. So we, we need to be very aware of the world we currently live in and then we do need to kind of navigate accordingly. I agree with you that it has to be a different way, right? The current way is outdated. The current mindset is incorrect mm. and brings us into our episode for today, which is talking about this movement called the FIRE movement, uh, which we'll get into. And it stands for Financial Independence, Retire Early. And that is to say that it is an alternative to traditional retirement. And, you know, we're going to break down, you know, there's two portions of this. There's the financially independent portion and there's the retire early portion of it. And we'll explain to you sort of what that means and how does it affect when it comes to thinking about retirement. Mm, great. So what does financial independence really mean, right? Are we financially independent or are you actually financially dependent? So I think I will start first by sharing my own story. I think I fall in the category of being financially dependent on my income, but I do have a roadmap to become financially free eventually, right? To grow up in the middle class, my 
mom always taught me how to, the importance of like saving, being frugal. And while I'm actually grateful for these values, uh, which helped me a lot, I think the caveat to this system is that you will never ever be able to take the hit from inflation, which is an average of 3%. Plus, with the high cost of living in Singapore, right, the rest of your income is essentially burnt rapidly. Like all young executives out there, I do want to build like a f- life of freedom. And if that's to directly translate, right, building freedom is, is essentially being able to quit your job anytime in your life to do the things that you love without actually fearing that it affects your livelihood. So down the road, in my third year of working, actually after gaining some additional income, I did explore some options of how to build my wealth from there. I tried banks, you know, like I looked at fixed D's, but these offer only like a 0.5 to 0.6% interest, right? Pretty pathetic if you think about it, uh, of the 3% inflation uh, and then I've tried insurance endowments investment linked plans so these this are really hot in Singapore for some reason basically because this industry is very backed by commission right and recurring income but what I saw is that if, if I were to calculate these plans in the long term you see positive gains only after 20 years and that's the problem right positive gains of about 2 to 5% of your capital after 20 years is a problem itself like how hard are you going to beat inflation in any sense, right? So I mean, this all comes back to financial literacy. If you look at a product, if you're able to dissect it down to how much is it doing for you in building that financial freedom, you would know that these financial instruments are not that that capable in building that dream for you. Fortunately enough, I think like came the pandemic in 2020, uh, that, that was when I really came down and started looking into stocks properly. Uh, having sit down, go through how do I inst- invest in stocks, what stocks to invest in. That's, that's when I started to do more stocks, crypto, and then I also dabbled a little bit of land banking. So this entire exercise actually helps me to kickstart building my bidding properly, right? That actually gives me at least more than a 7 to 10% minimum and even somehow up to 15% if, if you want to talk about crypto. But the mm. trick is really keeping that pot as diverse as possible. Yeah, and, and to that point, a lot of people don't think of the concept of financial independence, right? I think for a lot of people, the, maybe the mindset is that when I retire, I'll be financially independent and or they have some number in mind but I would argue that it ha- that it's way higher than it needs to be, right? So I kind of ask people like, what is all of this right, with your investing strategy, Nick? It's like, what is your number, right? I think that number, I would argue, is probably one of the most important in your life. But yet, I think a lot of people don't know or have no idea what it realistically is, right? So I think part of it is like building that wealth, investing right, making a return, which we talked about in previous episodes. But then the other side of the question is like, okay, well, to what end? What does that number have to be? And so taking a look back in my own journey, back in 2012, there was this very famous financial blog in the US called Mr. Money Mustache. Mm -hmm. And there's this article in his blog called The Shockingly Simple Math Behind Early Retirement. And when I read that article, it completely changed the way I thought about retirement. So in that article, there's like, you know, there's like this one graph and this one graph, it's a simple graph. It's like two columns. On the left side, it said savings rate in percentages. So it goes from like 5% all the way up to say 95%. So, you know, 5% if you don't save too much, right? Save 5% of your take-home pay versus, you know, if you're like a massive saver and you're saving all the way to 95%. On the right-hand side of that a chart, there's working years until retirement. So it basically says is that, you know, if you're saving at 5%, 
it tells you, okay, how many years do you have to work to retire based on your savings rate? So at a 10% savings rate, which is what you know most Americans are told to save at, that means that you would have to work 51 years in order to get to retirement. So that means that if you start to work at 23, it would mean that your retirement age would be 74, right? This is like, it's, it's crazy. Like, I don't want to work till 74. But now most financial planners are saying to save at 20%, right? So at 20%, that means that you would have to work till 37 years. So again, that would mean retiring at 60, which is more traditional, right? But what if you start going up and up and up, start saving more and more and more, right? So the concept of like financial independence is to save as much as you can. So if you could get to a savings rate of 50%, that means that you would only have to work 17 years to get to retirement or to get to financial independence, which is 40 years old, which is quite young, right? And if holy smokes, you're saving at 70%, that's 8.5 years, which is 31 and a half years, right? And in the FIRE community, so the FIRE community is people who adhere to sort of sort of getting to that stage of, of financial dependence, you know, they're retiring in their 30s. And so I was very blown away with the fact that, wow, it is it is possible to get there into your 30s and 40s versus working into your 50s and 60s and 70s. And so that really changed the way I thought about making money, saving, basically what I want the money that I have saved to do for me. Hmm. That's very interesting, David. But I think it's also depending on how much we earn, right? How much we save for this independence. It also requires us to earn like a kind of like a significant amount. How do you suggest like we look at it? One of the caveats people always say that, man, I don't make enough money to actually get there, right? So I think that income is one side of the equation there, but I think more importantly is your lifestyle. The lifestyle I think matters much more so, right? Like people who can make $250,000 a year, but spending all their money, right? And they end up saving like nothing, maybe 5%. Versus actually a lot of people in the fire community, like if you actually look at their life story, they're like a... A couple, right? Like a married couple, and they're and sometimes when you read the blogs, most oftentimes their income combined is like less than a hundred thousand. So, and yet they could still get the fire in their like thirties. So because they basically reevaluated sort of what is a need versus what is a want, right? And I think for me, when I look back on my life in my twenties, and even now, I I don't spend a lot of money. When I was at Google in my twenties, I spent twelve hour days at at the Google campus. So, you know, lunch transportation was provided, breakfast, lunch, and dinner was provided, gym was provided. So, just by sheer coincidence, that I was just I happened to save a lot of money, and I didn't really know what the effects of that was until I came upon this article years later, right? And now because I'm a nomad and I'm choosing to live in lower cost places such as Southeast Asia, I am by default also saving a lot of money. Now, I would argue even for you, Nick, right? You're in Singapore, right? But it seems like for you, you have a good handle on your finances. You're not going out and eating at Michelin star rated restaurants. You're not buying fancy cars. You're actively saving. You're actively investing your money. So I think spending is one, but one equation. But like you said, the other leg of that is also investing as well, in addition to like income, right? Yep. Yep. I think it's always about saving to invest. What about this 4% rule? You mentioned in, in FIRE, there's this actually like this rule of thumb. Yes. So, you know, the big thing in the FIRE community is talking about like, you know, what's your number? What's your safe withdrawal rate? Because once you get to that number, okay, like, so you have to work backwards. So you have to think about the first step of understanding if you could actually hit financial dependence 
and retire early if that's your choice is knowing how much you spend in a given year, right? So if you don't have that number or varies wildly, then that might be problematic. But I would say like once you get a handle of it, by about two to three years, you have a good idea of how much you're spending a year, right? So then you have to work your way mm -hmm. back. So this is a general sort of thing. And I, I give like this in a, in a way a very simple example. So say as a single person, you're spending $40,000 a year, um, you know, rent all in. So this is rent, food, vacation, things and things like that. Yeah, that might not be very high, say, in a city like San Francisco. But if you're thinking about you can live in like smaller cities or like going abroad, $40,000 can carry you a long way, right? So you know that you're spending $40,000 a year. So as you're you know, saving money, once you accumulate enough wealth, the financial models say that you could withdraw safely at 4%. So once you have a million dollars, if you could, you know, when you get there, I know that's hard to, that might be hard to do. And we'll talk about ways to like get to that million dollars. But in that example, when you get to a million dollars, you could safely withdraw at 4%. And that, so, so 4% of a million dollars is $40,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And that is the 4% rule. You could safely withdraw with that. And that money that, that can last you forever because mm. it is a low enough withdrawal rate that if there's a downturn in the market, it is it is a safe rate, right? So for example, if you're withdrawing at like five to 6%, there might be a chance, a greater, vastly greater chance that it might run out in 20 years, maybe not mm. in the next five years. So that's what we mean about the 4% rule. That is the floor. And if you wanna say the man, like I wanna withdraw less than that, great. Because that means that your money can even stretch further and it will actually grow over time. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think for me, back to the question of asking what is your number, right? I did a bit of calculations on my side. So this is very simplified. But I think if I were to invest in the S&P 500, counting that the S&P will always beat infl the inflation of 3% and it should also grow as companies always grow more than the inflation rate. I'm seeing that in the example that I want to have a $5,000 runway per month. Mm. What I did was to times it by 12. So annually, I'll need a 60K runway. Even if I'm not doing anything, I need to have a 60K. Uh, and what I read from one of the financial blocks is that I just have to times this 60K by 25. Mm -hmm. I get the total amount that I need to invest in the S&P 500. And that comes up to about $1.5 million dollars. Right. So back to the 4% rule, if you were to times 4% of 1.5 million, you essentially get 60,000. Right. So that comes into the rule, right? So every year, if you just put in 1.5,000 from that point on, if you were to withdraw 4% of that investment, you will get 60K out, right? And 60K will support your livelihood while you're doing the stuff that you want to do with this 60K. The SMB 500 will continue to run. And that's how it will regenerate the next 60K for you to live following year of your life. So I think that's roughly in very simple context how the 4% rule works, yeah. right? Mm. Yeah, exactly, right? And so, you know, one of the things is that I think a million dollars is a good benchmark because I think that it will allow you to live a, a pretty, I think, decent life if you mix in living in a low-cost low cost place, medium-cost place, and then a high-cost place, right? Obviously, like maybe spend half the year in, in a lower cost like city or region of the world and you have the flexibility right as a nomad if you choose to do so and i would argue yeah you could live very nicely in many parts of the world right keeping with a safe you know 
yeah, four to five thousand monthly USD budget, right? One of the things is that you know, like getting to a million dollars is quite hard, right? I think a lot of people say, man, like I don't, I'm only saving a thousand a month or something. How do I get there? So I say sometimes like it's yeah, you're not gonna get to a million dollars overnight. It might take a decade or two, right? But a decade or two puts you into your like mid to you know mid thirties to like mid forties, right? So that's possible if you're continuously doing it. So this is not about getting rich quick, not investing in like Dogecoin and being a Dogecoin million overnight. We're not saying that. It is a methodical process. It's actually quite a boring process, right? But there's actually different ways to kind of tweak it as well, right? So there's many different types of uh, fire. So there's traditional fire, which I mentioned, right? So like, you know, saving a lot to get to the point of financial independence and just not working anymore, right? So basically going from like a lot of income to zero income and then living off of the wealth that you generated. So, you know, it's like, it's like an all and then a nothing, right? But I would say that sometimes it's not you know, it's not realistic or you don't want to, you know, you're at your job right now and you hate it. It's like a long, long hours. You just can't bear with it. So there's actually modifications to like that. And so one of the mod- one of the alternative fires is something called coast fire. So coast fire is a very interesting concept in which you basically downshift. So that means that you're not, it's the goal is not to get to that, to that like, you know, one retirement number as quick as you can is to say, okay, well, you know, I want to work in a different career or different job that I'm really passionate about, often it will come with like a a much lower income, right? And you say, well, that's okay. Because for example, instead of getting a million dollars, what if you say, okay, like I'm, I just hit 30, like I have about $200,000 saved and I want to get a new job and I want to work in like a nonprofit. And I know that I can't, you know, like I, I won't be saving as much or if any, well, you say, well, that's okay. Because you could then continue to work, right? And say your new job, you're breaking even, you're like living, you're not saving, you are, you could still live the lifestyle that you want, but you're not saving any money. Well, that's okay, because that $200,000 you saved so far can grow over time if you're not withdrawing it, right? So so say like, you know, you get a dream job and you work for that job for like 30 years and you're 50. Well, that $200,000 can conceivably grow and will grow over time with compounded returns to a million dollars, and then you will hit fire naturally and so that is what coast fire is mm-hmm. i think listening to that I, it also relates to my current experience right between trying to build different sources of active income so to get it faster of course i think the number one way is to just increase how much you can earn from your active job right and number two it's uh just exploring other outlets like if you can run a side hustle you know if you can uh, maybe teach tuition to to kids you know any any form of additional income sources if you were to able to just bring it in and then put it into the stock market it gets you faster towards this fire goal that you're trying to build yeah exactly exactly Mm. it is again it's like slow and steady wins the race, right? You're not going to be able to get to a million dollars overnight, right? Like I, you know, for a lot of people will take over a decade or two, right? But again, it's it's understanding the three keys, right? Income, spending, and investments and investing. I think mean, those are the three most important legs, right? Mm-hmm. And then this, you know, this brings me to sort of the second half of what FIRE is, which is the retire early. So people always get that confused and say like, oh man, I, you know, you're going to, get to independence and you're gonna retire. And I'm like, no, actually a lot of people who are who pursue this route, it's not because they wanna just sit on the beach all day. I would argue that it gives them 
the option, the optionality, the flexibility. It's it's basically taking control of your life. If you want to work, by all means, or if you want to do something else with your life, by all means, or if you, if you want to sit on a beach all day and not work again, that's also your choice because now it's taking, you have the control. You are not dependent on any employer for money. And I think that is what the core tenet of what FIRE is. It's having control ultimately of your own life. And I think that is so, it is just such a wonderful feeling to have, right? To say, you know mm-hmm. what? I don't want to work for money. I don't want to work for this job if I don't want to, right? And I and I think that is what I say, like the RE, the retire early part is the smaller sort of concept of what FIRE is. It is the independence and the, and the control that it gives you by having just enough money in life. Mm, that's very true. I think also it's the common misconception of having a million dollars in your in your bank, right? What does that make you feel? Usually, the cl- a closer look at, into when when people say this, I think the closer look is that these people want to enjoy lives by the beach, or they just want to drive like a bike up to the suburbs without care. But it's whether doing that, how will it affect their livelihood? I personally, I don't think I want to retire, but I do want the flexibility to adjourn to doing something more meaningful. And purposeful for myself when I'm older, right? For example, if I want to become a barista one day, my cash flow should still be there to support my usual spending, you know, like being able to spend time with my loved ones and everything while enjoying whatever I'm doing, right? Because if a barista is not going to pay me the the wage that I need to in order to survive, then being a barista is no longer joyful, right? So it's all about balancing exactly. so that you can enjoy the things that you want to exactly. enjoy later upon in your life. Exactly. A career, exactly. So the career is now independent of the thinking about like the money equation. I think it's still important, right? That obviously like compensation with any sort of job or career that you do, but now it means so much less, Right. Because now you have all this money that you have saved and a generally new passive income to say like, look, like I don't want to do this because I know I don't want to do this job because I know that it will give me so much stress and I don't actually like this industry. I'd rather do something else. It will probably pay me like 50, 60, 70% less, but I know that I will love it and it will be sustainable and it's something that I really enjoy because the money is not part of the factor anymore. And I think it's hard. I get it. It's 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 ingrained, right? That that is what a job is for a lot of people. It is the transactional sort of concept of I'm exchanging my time for money. And now the money aspect of it is taken away from it. And now you value time more. Because you know, as you get older, it's like you're not gonna you're not as active or you're maybe not as like healthy. And so you know, time is a much more important commodity. And that's what it fire gives you. It gives yeah. you time much earlier in life. I think it's also like a essentially peace of mind, right? Peace of mind that you have money in, in the bank and, and you can do, actually do what you love and spend time with your loved ones as much as you want, right? Cool. Uh, so we have touched based on what FIRE means, what in the financial independence should look like, the 4% rule, and why early retirement is all about having control more than anything. Is there any caveats to this FIRE that we should be wary of? I, I think... A lot of it is being willing and being open to the idea of changing your habits, right? I, it's not saying, it's not like you know, shopping at, like eating rice and beans all day for 20 years and not having any fun, but you could downshift your lifestyle a little bit, right? And we talked about this in previous episodes, like you can still travel, but man, like maybe don't stay at that five-star hotel. So you could do an Airbnb instead. And you could travel to like, you could still travel to the same country, but again, you have to be a little bit more mindful of your of your budgeting habits. And I see a lot of people when I travel who who have, who can do the things that 
anyone else can do, but spend like 50% less on their vacation. So it involves an intentionality with what you do with your money, right? So I think that's one, not necessarily a caveat, but I think that's one of the factors that you need to be aware of, like open, opening to change, you know? And if you're there already, if you've always lived a frugal life, then you are destined to live, to achieve fire. You're destined for this movement. So I, I think that's what was the transformational thing. I was always frugal already, but then it all kind of clicked. Like I, I, I was already set up for this because mm. I was naturally living it already. So if you're not naturally living like this, you you need to make some changes in your life, right? And yeah, maybe it, it involves like making some short-term sacrifices, but I would argue that it's very, very, very minute. Mm. It's, it's interesting, right? Because I think what our parents passed down to us, the whole frugal living concept, it's only the beginning, right? It's part one of that freedom, right? Part two is actually investing what you save into these investment vehicles that give you that runway so that you can live the life according to your terms, right? And and that is the the runway which ge- uh, the vehicles that generate enough money to support that lifestyle for you. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. And I think, you know, one thing I'm reminded time and time again, I see, you know, I see a lot of people who in their 20s, like living a, outwardly a very high standard of living. And I always wonder, oh, my God, can I afford it? Right. So, mm-hmm. again, you can never really tell. You can never really tell in America based on what their spending is, like how wealthy they are. And I think that also changed my concept of what it is. Like, I just it doesn't even it doesn't even bother me. Right. And so you can never tell. And so I think disassociating that made me feel more comfortable my, about my own personal life choices. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think I think going through this whole fire concept, it also really helped me to just kind of like get clear on my thoughts. What am I doing at every stage of my life? And and I think right now I'm, I'm just in a better place. I know why I'm going to drop four and I know what goes behind that saving upon getting my paychecks, right? I think the whole thing is clear right now. And for listeners, especially if you find this fire concept uh, interesting, do look it up online as well. It is a very powerful concept, not really shared enough in Asia because before I got to know David, I'd never heard about fire before. And as a bystander, if you look at fire on the internet, you wouldn't notice what it actually means, right? So have have a look it up, you know, like some financial blogs also explain it in more detail, the calculations especially. Have a look, have a number in mind, like just, just have a number of how much you would like yourself to have on a passive basis, month on month, when you're slightly older and you want to explore something that is uh, outside of a corporate job. And then work backwards, you know, what is that number that you need to have, right? Having this sense of, of a goal really helps you to determine what are your next steps, right? Right here, right now, because this is your time, you know, this is your life. You need to kind of take control of it, own it as much as possible. And by, by owning it, you're actually giving it the love that it deserves and it will love you back. Life will love you back when you do something for yourself. Yeah, yeah. And we will provide uh, some resources in our show notes for this episode. And I, I would love to do a follow-up episode of sort of, you know, I'm I'm all in on this movement. Yeah, so we can. I would love, we could do an ep- follow-up episode on like where we are in our fi- fire mm-hmm, journey. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, again, it is the control part that I, that is the most addictive to me. Like, having that peer, uh, living that sort of uninhibited sort of life where I don't have to be dependent on anyone financially. I think that is the true kind of 
thing that drives us in the fire community. Yeah. So I think this has been a good session. Very, very good episode. Very informative. We are so happy for you to be able to join us for this episode. If you have more questions, you know, feel free to message us on Instagram. And if you want more great content in future, just do hit the subscribe button on Spotify so that you can get future updates on further episodes. Yeah, and if you enjoyed this podcast, please hop on Apple iTunes to give us a five-star rating and review as this helps us gain more visibility on air, which gives us more opportunity to connect to listeners like you. All right, and uh, that's all for this episode. Stay positive and stay safe. Bye, guys. Bye.